about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It's been a few weeks. Couple wins in the bag. I'm Dylan, joined by Steve. How are you today, buddy? Doing great. My elbow's killing me. I've been painting around the house. Uh, a lot of me doing work around the house. Uh, a lot of Mr. Wagon finishing up his playoff run in rugby, and a lot of Dylan being a first-year uh, lawyer has led to us being a little bit um, inconsistent with our with our uh, recording scheduling. So thank you, everyone who's tuning in. We certainly appreciate it. But Big things have been happening in the Notre Dame world. We wanted to make sure we hopped back on and made the time for it. So things have, uh, things are good. Things are very good on my end. How about you, Dylan? Oh man, I'm, I'm having the time of my life. At least two weeks ago, when I was at the Notre Dame USC game, um, and then of course life is just progressively worse after that, as is for everybody <laughs> listening. You guys know how adulthood is. Um, so you know things are going, but. I'm loving the football season so far. Um, I really wish we didn't lose that game to Ohio State because we'd be a playoff team this year. Um, but, you know, despite that, it's still been fun to watch. A lot going on. And, you know, adjusting to that adult life is uh, is challenging. But we all do it. Yeah, well, every once in a while, we get to have an escape from adult life. For you, it was uh, two weeks ago. You were in the building Storm in the field when we kicked the living shit out of USC, 48 to 20 Irish, uh, and then we just obviously took care of business with a 58 to 7 victory against Pitt at home this past week. But uh, let's do a little bit of a time travel. Let's go back to USC. Um, again, part of the lore of the Four Horsemen is I'm one of the unlucky fans that has still never had an opportunity to step foot on campus. So I got plenty of questions for you in regards to your experience and how everything was, but we'll just open the floor with general comments uh, of, of what your, your experience was with that ass kicking of USC and, and we'll take it from there. So Dylan, uh, you know, how, how was everything about that night? Oh man, I gotta, I gotta take it a few steps back cause it goes before the night. Um, I basically took a bus that was like canceled, but not really. They were trying to get people to just go to mo like the day after. And I was like, nah, I gotta, I gotta get to Buffalo where my friend, Timmy, Timmy Flynn, uh, a lot of, you know, him on Twitter, uh, was going to pick me up from Buffalo and we went straight to South Bend. So I had a long bus ride. Well, not a, a long, long bus ride, but a, you know, a couple hour bus ride to Buffalo across the U S border. Uh, your immigration and customs people are not super friendly. Um, that's not apparently that's well known. Um, but yeah, they were you know giving me a little bit of a hard time. The only guy on a bus. But uh, end of the day, you know you get through. Canadian passport's still good for something. Um, Tim picks me up in Buffalo. We make a seven-hour drive to South Bend. We arrive like 7 a.m. on Friday. We have a luncheon uh, courtesy of uh, Mike Golick and his foundation. That afternoon or 11 early morning. So we get a little nap in. We go to that man. Mike Golick is a tall dude. I was standing like three feet from him just being like, hey, I think that's Mike Golick over there. Because like, <laughs> of course it was. He's very recognizable. 
great time. We got to meet uh, Maris Leofau. Um, not intentionally. He just asked where we got our drinks um, and then uh, held the door open for everyone. Super sick, dude. Um, and then at that dinner, it was nice. You know, we got to hear from Audrey Estime, Benjamin Morrison, um, two of the stars on the women's basketball team, and of course, Marcus Freeman. So I was within touching distance of Marcus Freeman, which oh. I know you would go to jail for if you could. Um, just to touch that beautiful man. A lot so worse I was, than that. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> I was right there. So Friday kicked off with a bang. Um, it had been 11 years since I'd been to Notre Dame. I went when I was 15 to the Michigan game in 2012. So I've seen Michigan and USC at Notre Dame. I can die a happy man. Um, so I've I've done the the stadium stuff, the tour stuff, uh, but I, there was more I wanted to get to. So I took pictures, got to go onto the field pregame uh, on Friday. Um, Took a picture of all like the you know the the statues. We walked around. If you're if it's your first time going to Notre Dame, I recommend you enter campus from like the holy sites side of campus. It's very magical and very spiritual and just it's beautiful. It's very in touch with nature. And when I was a kid, that's how I first was introduced to Notre Dame. It blew my mind. Like when you walk through that path, there's like the graveyard and stuff. You you see the bullet the 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 church, the basilica. Um, you see the grotto, you get to see the dome, like that is the path I would take. But of course we got to see that stuff too. And it's, it's always as special as can be. Um, but then the other half of campus where the stadium is and where all the buildings are, you know, that's so cool too, to discover. So that was awesome. Just getting the layout was great. Saturday morning, we tailgate. It was perfect because I don't remember some of the tailgating, but I remember the whole game. So it was like, you hit that sweet zone of being blackout, almost blackout drunk, uh, having a good time, meeting a lot of, you know, people we know from Twitter, just people like kind of know the show or just random Notre Dame fans. You know, you know how it is. You make friends uh, and then you go to the game on Saturday and boy, what a game that was. So I it was just mind blowing the whole we don't we kicked the shit out of them the whole game. Uh, I was screaming and swearing the whole game. I'm sorry. I'm like from East Coast, Canada. We can't speak without swearing. It's just the way it is. Um hate that usc band they played their one okay it's an awesome song but when you play it all night i want to kill you play something else you're not florida state you have more than just that one song um and then we stormed the field and people will say why did you storm the field for a game you were favored in that you won by 20 plus and it's like it doesn't matter because usc embarrassed us last year they pulled ahead of us in the heisman race last year against us um and they were undefeated you got caleb williams with his painted nails yeah we were storming that field so all in all, great time. I'll happily answer all your particular questions about it. Only got into almost two fights, avoided both of them, but I didn't start either of them. We can talk about that too. Um, and it was a banging time. Highly recommend going to Notre Dame if you haven't. It's it's truly special. It's a cathedral of college football, and it's it's just a it's a holy place. Perfect. And speaking of cathedrals uh, and and the campus in general, how uh, how how was the dome? It's newly regilded, or was it newly regilded while you were there? Yeah, the uh, we were just in time, I think, for the construction of stop. So I got a clear picture of of that. It's beautiful. It shines. We went inside. You look up. You see what looks like a Vatican type painting everywhere. It's beautiful. The art is amazing. Just the architecture is amazing. It, it's such a, a great place. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't do the trumpets under the dome. For some reason, that's outside now, um, which is unfortunate. But we still got to attend that. So the dome is amazing. Definitely a must-see. Dope. And that's that's weird that they're not doing it inside anymore. I thought that was always kind of a cool tradition. And I've always wanted to experience that. So maybe it changes back at some point. Um, 
Yeah. Now, in in terms of uh, pregame, because when uh, that was like a night game, right? It kicked off at like what seven seven thirty. Yep. Yeah. So, what was what was your uh, what was your pregame experience like? Were you in the lots? Did you go to any any local bars in South Bend? You know, expound on that. Yeah, that's a great question. It w- I was a little worried because on Friday campus was kind of dead. Like there wasn't a lot of buzz, uh, and for a major rivalry week, I got to walk through campus and take pictures unobstructed, which doesn't seem right. So I was a little worried Saturday would be not a good atmosphere. Wasn't the case. The pregame was awesome. So uh, Tim is a big tailgater. Um, so we took a, a parking spot in the north lot. We set up. We cooked. We had drinks. We had people over. It was miserable Midwestern pouring rain for a lot of the day. But that's okay. Me and Tim, we bo- or Tim and I, we both love good old Irish music and rebel music. So we had some of that going to get in the Notre Dame spirit. Uh, had a great conversation and crack, as the Irish would say, um, with other fans, uh, people listen to the show, just people we know, uh, and it was good. We played uh, cornhole, I think's the name of the game. I don't know. That seems to be a big U.S. thing. Uh, yeah. We did that for I don't know how many hours. Again, I, I, I my memory fades a little throughout the day because I I can be a social person, but I'm way more social when I'm uh, free of any kind of you know anxiety or or, or thoughts. So when I was drunk, I was talking to everyone, man. Like, I, I, there was one group of people that had, like, a Notre Dame flag, or sorry, a Canada flag outside their tailgate. So I went there, like, five times just to ask how they were, you know, talk about the good old country we just came from. Uh, any USC fan I went to go speak to and be like, hey, I would, like, tease them, but be like, hey, you know, we love you, you know, it's a great rivalry, whatever. Made a lot of friends. Um, talked to a lot of girls. That's usually something I can't do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, just you know, had a good time with it. It was a great, it was a great atmosphere, despite the weather, which did improve. We had a great time. Uh, Notre Dame fans are so friendly. USC fans were awesome for the most part. Um, just loved it. So speaking of all one dozen of the uh, USC fans, were there a lot in your particular section? Like, was there like upwards of seven? Not a lot. No, to be honest, you could count the red <laughs> stuff on one hand. Um, there there was like a decent amount of of trojans on campus like you would see them but like in the stadium not really uh it, it wasn't like ohio state and even that wasn't super impressive so yeah it was definitely notre dame home field advantage and then speaking of home field advantage what was the loudest point in the game Ooh, the kickoff return i think for a touchdown because that iced the game like game over when they kicked that off and Jadarian Price just goes bananas. That place erupted. Um, loved it. Yeah, there were so many like loud moments. The stadium was loud the whole game. Uh, not like 1988 loud, but a, a healthy primetime game. Two lost Notre Dame. Still very loud. Still very into it. And you could tell how much this game means to the fan base now, especially that USC's better. Like when we we would never have stormed the field five years ago against USC. Now that USC's is somewhat back, like they're not back back, but they're like you know they're a contender again. Um, that game means a lot, and I, that was happy. To, I was happy to see that. Perfect. And then uh, were you doing any push-ups when we scored? Because that would have been a lot of push-ups. 
Absolutely. I wasn't the one being lifted. Uh, so that's usually a student tra- like student section tradition. But, okay. you know, the diehard fans will do it no matter where you are in the stadium. And we <laughs> uh, we basically looked for any kind of skinny dude or girl in our section. And we were like, up you go. Uh, with your permission, <laughs> of course. Like, we didn't force anyone. Um, and we did them. Yeah, we did the push-ups the whole game. Uh, I was the legs for one. And it was like after 30 of them lifting someone in the air. It's like, this is, this is a workout. Uh, but, yeah, we definitely hit the push-ups. I wish I could have got photographs of it, but you know, my, my, my two hands were occupied. So no, no evidence, but you'll take my word for it. Yeah, fair enough. And then uh, speaking of evidence, we did get some videos of you rushing the field. So we'll close up the section of the, the USC talk um, with, you know, what, what was your, what was your field storming experience? Like I've never had the opportunity to do that in my life. Um, it's obviously kind of typically kind of once in a lifetime scenario for most people. Uh, and, and the fact that you happen to be there during that, that situation, and then just being on the field in general, looking up, seeing the lights around you, seeing the atmosphere, like paint a picture for us, man. Cause that's, again, it's probably once in a lifetime. Absolutely. But before I do, I want to ask you guys a question because you and P wagon were pretty like when I sent you the video of me on the field, it was like, Oh my God, he made it. Were you guys wondering, like, did were you like, were you guys like, is Dylan on the field? Is he gonna get on the field? Like, what was it from what was it from your perspective watching on TV? I would have been very mad if you had not gone down. So I, I like it was my full expectation of like, they would have had to hold you back in handcuffs to 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 not get onto that field because that's exactly how I would have been. I would have left my wife behind in the stands if I needed to. But um. Yeah, well, so it, it, was, it was my full expectation uh, that you would have gotten down there, and I'm happy that you did. Yeah, well, speaking of leaving things away to go storm the field, I have my jacket is still at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, so shout out Tim and shout out Katie, uh, who I think are going to acquire it for me, because uh, it's my only winter jacket and it's getting cold in Canada. So I appreciate that, <laughs> folks. Um, yeah, as soon as as soon as like the students hit the field first and then it was like, OK, we're going to do this. So then we started lining up to hit the field. So we didn't get on there immediately. I've stormed the field in the past. So I've mentioned, you know, Canadian University football is not really a thing. But the school I went to has a big rivalry game that is a thing that the whole city of Ottawa shows up for. And the winner of that game storms the field. So I've I've stormed fields before. You don't storm the field of the most sacred, hallowed ground in college football and maybe just football, period. Um, That was different. So hitting that field, the lights are on you. You're, You're on the ground. It's surreal. You've seen this on TV, but you're there. You hop over. And you just start running like you like you're coming out of the tunnel, right? Like you got your one hand in the in the air with pointing up. You're just like running around taking pictures. I almost wanted to lay in the ground. There was no space because everybody was there. But then you just start chanting and dancing and like hugging whoever's next to you and just loving it. It, the, 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 it was so awesome. At one point, the PA was like, OK, it's time to go now. And we booed like the the everybody on the field booed the PA guy for telling us to get off because we're like, we're enjoying this. Um, I didn't run into any players or coaches and stuff like that was like it was so full by the time I got on. But, you know, I touched the ground. I tried to grab some grass or something, but like it's artificial turf. So like nothing would really come out. But like I was I, I touched it. I was like, this is a moment I'll always have that I'm on the field. You know, I'm on the 50 right now. I got a video of me running on storming this field celebrating with my fellow Notre Dame fans. It just meant a lot. And you know it's a historic night. You know that game's going to be remembered in this rivalry's history because 
you just beat the Heisman winner, the undefeated USC Trojans. You ended all that, and you dominated them at home under the lights. Everyone storms the field. I'm part of that now. And it was that kind of special feeling that just gave me goosebumps uh, leaving the stadium and walking around afterwards. It was just, I can't believe this happened to me, uh, which is, you know, like you said, Steve, once in a lifetime. So I, I yeah. best time of my life. No, we're brothers akin because everything you just described is exactly how I would have approached the entire situation. I would have absolutely tried to rip up some sort of grass or something, <laughs> uh, <laughs> artificial or not. So, uh, so uh, I'm right with you. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's amazing. Obviously the, you know, we, we kicked the living shit out of them, you know, Caleb Williams, you fingernail paint bitch. You, you suck. Sorry. It is what it is. You're overrated. You're a bus. Um, uh, he's not going to get drafted by the Steelers. So I can confidently say he's going to be a bust in the NFL so he can go screw himself. I hate him. He's a absolute ingrate and, uh, screw him. Anyway, USC in the past, pit in the past. But as we are uh, celebrating the downfall of one of our rivals that we kicked the living crap out of USC, we're actually currently going through potentially the downfall of one of our other rivals in perhaps one of the most bizarre stories in college football history and by far the absolute most hilarious. Um, Dylan, what is going on up in Ann Arbor? A whole lot of cheating. That's for sure. Boy, where do you even start with this one? Like, it, it started off as, like, cheating allegations of, like, hey, from Big Ten teams, they're taking our signs. And then it slowly has, like, evolved into this, like, multi-level conspiracy where an assistant coach is not only stealing signs and communicating them to the coordinators on the field, is now attending other people's games on other teams' sidelines to steal signs and help them with an opponent, and then also helping potential future opponents. Opponents, Let me explain what I mean by all that, because that's a lot of words. <clears throat> so this guy named Connor Stallions is a, a diehard Michigan guy who works on the staff for Michigan football. And the idea there is you kind of have some plausible deniability that it's, you know, it's a, it's a runaway rogue fanatic doing this, but... The level of coordination is far too high. So as it is, is Connor Stallions has been going to games of Michigan opponents and has been trying to steal their signs. Um, why would they do that? Well, if you understand that a run is coming, for sure, that can really help your defense stop the run. Likewise, with a pass and on defense, it gives you a very significant advantage. Now, sign stealing isn't against the rules, but using any kind of recording device to record the signs is. And, and advanced scouting. And yes, and this is like you're sending scouting to these teams. Not only that, there are allegations that Michigan was helping South Carolina beat Tennessee and beat Clemson because Michigan may have played Tennessee and Clemson in the playoff. They were preemptively helping the opponents of a potential opponent. It's nuts. And to make matters crazier, there is now evidence to suggest, and there's now an investigation going on that Connor Stallions dressed up, or I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. That's just how I remember. No, it is dressed up. And attended the Central Michigan-Michigan State game on the CMU sideline in disguise to steal Michigan State signs and then also help Central Michigan use that to beat Michigan State. That is little brother behavior. That is, like, 
obsessive ridiculousness behavior. This guy apparently has a Michigan manifesto that is extremely detailed with all sorts of ways to get Michigan back. And it sounds if you have a manifesto, you are unhinged. Okay, like no, nothing good comes from a manifesto. Took the words right out of my mouth. Like this is getting so elaborate and so ridiculous, and there's no way they didn't know. Like there is evidence to suggest that um, computer devices and storage devices were being accessed among other staff members. So this is it is getting high up. There's video evidence of this guy talking to coordinators standing by them during the games to help them with the play calling. So clearly the staff members, the uh, the coordinators are involved. There's uh, to me, there's no way Harbaugh isn't somewhat aware of it. This is going to reflect poorly on him. So, like, what we're, we're still trying to figure all this out. The the narrative keeps changing because, like, more things keep coming out. Like, the extent of this is not fully known yet. At the same time, the FBI is investigating a former coordinator's computer for apparently cyber crimes. That's unrelated to this, but this is all coming out at the same time. So it's just the hilarious downfall of Michigan. Obviously, there's nothing hilarious about serious cyber crimes. You know, we'll make that stated, make that very clear and that has that has no reflection i don't think on the university of michigan that is you know that is one guy doing his thing it's just the timing of all of it it's the cheating scandal that is reflective of the university the institution and is hilarious so there's going to be sanctions probably you're looking at the ncaa getting involved the big 10 getting involved because it is big 10 members that are complaining about this uh, and then the complaints started coming from the sec so you know the ncaa is going to get involved and there's potential playoff committee uh, the college football playoff is its own body, and they could impose sanctions on Michigan as well. So you're looking probably at uh, win sanctions, uh, Big Ten conference championship sanctions, uh, scholarship sanctions, and potentially uh, bowl bans and potential playoff bans. This is huge. Um, it has to be substantiated, of course, so we're still in the early stages of the investigation, but there looks to be a surmountable or an insurmountable mountain of evidence here uh, that Michigan – at least people at Michigan are involved and you can't claim ignorance. There's going to be sanctions and Harbaugh is in deep duty. So we'll see. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on it? I know it's a lot to, to monologue. So I want to hear you. No, no in, in, totally. And, and in, ex, in addition to that, uh, Connor Stallion, so much of a Michigan super fan, which I can appreciate the super fandom, like, as, you know, Notre Dame, obviously uh, I gotcha. Um, but he didn't go to um for undergrad or even graduate school or i'm not sure about graduate school but he didn't go to um uh for undergrad because he just he knew that more football coaches came out of the military academies and then therefore like he would have learned better advanced scouting so he like from the time he was like 16 17 years old planning out his college education and like the future of his life he had been planning to go to the military academies to learn like advanced <laughs> it's like scouting and uh, of like military enemies, which he turned into football enemies <laughs> and made a manifesto about it. This is like a 15 year project of this fucking psychopath super fan's life in order to weasel his way into a fifty thousand dollar a year staffer role where he's buying game uh, tickets to 11 different games over the course of two years three years he, he may, again making 50k but buying like 1200 1600 tickets like with regularity it's just like 
it's the most college football like experience in history. It's just for someone to be that much of a super fan to go to this much of a length for them to finally just like be OSU <laughs> and, and the conference title. And the fact that this is all coming to a head and, um, Josh McDaniels just fired from the Raiders today. And, and obviously there's, there's usually about three or four different firings in the NFL each season uh, anyway. And, and Harbor has been kind of flirting with, uh, with, you know, what the Vikings uh, recently, like the bears look like a potential destination for him. He played for the bears. Uh, and obviously we know that that's a dumpster fire in the NFL right now. So it's like, I, I think the writing's on the wall. I I think obviously there's going to be sanctions. There's going to be a huge blowback on this. I'm substantiate. I'm substantiate bullshit. We all know they're guilty. I mean, this is coming from the same school that produced Ted Kaczynski. All right, we they're they're totally fucking guilty. So <laughs> so Harbaugh, just get out of Dodge. Just go to the NFL. That's the best bet for you. And Michigan, I mean, they can't recruit as it is because they just lose every recruit to Notre Dame, but they're going to have even more recruiting sanctions because they're not going to have as many scholarships. So they're just going to be a hollowed out program and their absolute downfall of the skunk bears is everything that I live for. So fuck that program up in Ann Arbor. They are going to eventually get everything that comes to them. And if the NCAA has a set of balls, they will just drop the hammer. And if if not, it's just the most corrupt bullshit ever. That's my entire thoughts on it. I'll, I'll send back over to you for any sort of response or, or finish out before the next section here. Yeah, I, there's, I think, three things I wanted to touch on. So one, I'm glad you mentioned it because I skipped over it. Part of the cheating allegations is that Michigan slash Connor Stallions has been purchasing tickets behind opposing teams' benches. So, or like they'll be going to, let's say, a Michigan State game and sitting behind Michigan State's bench or behind Ohio State's bench to steal signs. That's been part of it is that they've been actually going to games to scout and record the signs. So that's another aspect of it. Very illegal. Two, um, I, this guy has, you know, armed service experience or was in school for it like he's part of you know the service but the ethics displayed here are very questionable and surprising to me coming from someone with that background and pedigree like i get being a super fan and having a manifesto no matter how horrible that will end up for everyone but part of this guy's plan to get michigan football back to the top involved cheating and stealing and things that are not principled or ethical in any kind of sport or just in general. And I don't know. I, I feel like that part of it is maybe being overlooked by people that this is a guy who probably should know better. Um, and who's, I, I don't really understand that whole aspect of it or why, why someone would do that length of cheating. Cause you know, it's cheating. Like it's not like, uh, you know, you're stretching it far to be, going in disguise on CMU's bench to help them beat an opponent. Like, that's... You gotta know that's not right. <laughs> you know? Like, that that's a whole aspect of it. Um, another thing with the Harbaugh situation, there's rumors that they had stopped contract extension talk, and then rumors that they're getting close to an extension talk. I don't know about that. But the NFL has, in the past, and very rarely, has withhold... or has upheld... NCAA or college-related penalties extended that to the NFL. So even if Harbaugh does leave, if he gets hit with like some kind of ban on coaching for a certain amount of games, the NFL might uphold that. 
So Harbaugh might be fucked. Like, uh, we still got to find out to the extent that he's involved, but you're at the very least negligent for not knowing that your staffers and coordinators are involved in this. Like, at the very least, grossly negligent, which is totally grounds for termination right there. Um, but the fact that he probably knew, you're talking severe sanctions that rep- that tarnishes his reputation as a coach. It tarnishes... All the success Michigan has had in the last two years, despite playing very weak schedules, but like overcoming Ohio State twice, finally winning the Big Ten again, that's all tainted now. Your playoff appearances are tainted. Whatever you do this season is tainted. Like Michigan, an institution that certainly doesn't have a lack of black guys for their historical actions, uh, is now having another one. This is another black guy on that institution, on that program. Uh, and you you have to know better. Like, it's not acceptable. And they'll point, well, you know, the SEC does these things in recruiting. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you. But that's not an excuse to be cheating in other ways. So I would hope this never happens at Notre Dame. And if it did, I'd be pretty critical of Notre Dame for it. So let's, you know, be consistent. But let's be fair. And I, that would be my message to Michigan fans is it's not a reflection on you, the fan. Uh, we're going to pile on you for sure because you chose to cheer for them. But let's be let's be as fair and as reasonable as possible and look inward sometimes because I don't know how you can defend this or justify this um, and the narrative I've seen from Michigan fans just keeps moving the goalposts which is a little unfortunate but you know that's what college football does to a person <laughs> agreed totally um, yep I mean they're just I hate them I hate them more than anything and and basking in their downfall is something that brings me great joy and and also, yes, to expound upon your point, um, I, I, I just genuinely hope that Notre Dame never, never stoops to any sort of level like this because we will have to hold them accountable and it'll just be heartbreaking and, and I just don't want that to happen. Uh, and, and part of why I love Notre Dame is that they just like, again, maybe I'm wrong because of a lack of knowledge, but it just, it seems like an institution that does things the hard way and does things the right way, academics, recruiting, all that sort of shit. So, um, I don't know, maybe that's me like be, uh, being on a soapbox and and uh, thinking that you know holier than thou sort of thing with Notre Dame, but hey, that I'm a fan and that's that's how I rationalize things. Well, see, um, what's interesting is that's kind of what Michigan fans are like too. You know, the academic standards because it's a much larger school aren't as high, but like Michigan fans have that same reputation of being holier than thou. We do things the right way. We don't do like other schools do. We don't cheat in recruiting. Our NIL game is like Notre Dame's. They're like this too. And then they go out and do this. You're like, what hypocrisy, too, of these fans who, like you, that's why they like Michigan. That's why you like Notre Dame. And then when Notre Dame, well, in this case, Michigan, completely undermines those values that you stand for, what is their response, of course, to deny and defend, right? That's why, like you said, Steve, if this ever happened to Notre Dame, we would have to hold them accountable. But we love Notre Dame, and it would be very yeah. disappointing. It would be heartbreaking, but you have to hold them accountable. You have to. So, you know, that's – anyway, that's my two cents on the matter. It's a, it's never-ending, so there's going to be more developments to this. But, man, it's so great to see them fall. I love it. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, you know, going from one cheating program to another, uh, the steroid users down in uh, – <laughs> In Clemson, South Carolina, that's the next big game we have coming up. This was originally a night game at the beginning of the season. Then they uh, recently they said it's going to either be uh, 3.30 or 12 o'clock. Sure enough, it got pushed back to 12 o'clock because 
Clemson, they are in the blender right now. They've lost three out of their last five, uh, or is it more than that? Whatever, they're four and four, losers of back-to-back games. They lost in double overtime against Miami. Uh, Then they dropped a stinker on the road at NC State 24-17. They're in some trouble right now, and and this is a program uh, with Dabo Swinney who has not embraced the transfer portal. They have not embraced NIL. Uh, you know, Notre Dame has, and again, I think Notre Dame has done a very respectable job of the way that they've done it. Uh, and and if you want to call me holier than than now, it is what it is. I'll continue to be that way. Uh, but Clemson's uh, a a a beast, a faltering beast. You know, they 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 still have a, a hell of a defense there. The offense, you know, Will Shipley, a, a longtime Notre Dame recruit that they were really pushing hard for. Uh, he has not looked. Great, Cade Klubnik is uh, is he a true freshman? No, he's a second year player. So he's oh a, yeah, he's because he threw the interception with uh, you know at Notre Dame Stadium to to Benny Mo. Um, yep. So Cade Klubnik, tra- a true sophomore, he was the um, the high school quarterback for Jaden Greathouse down in Austin, Texas. By the way, uh, he he's struggling. He hasn't been fantastic. The offense down in Clemson has not been fantastic, and and it's led to a lot of disruption down down in South Carolina, where you know, which is now my home state. Um, but yeah, you know, that's kind of the opening remarks, just to set the stage. But Dylan, any thoughts at all? Any stats to point to, or or uh, you know, bring us into uh, to this weekend's matchup against the Clemson Tigers in South Carolina. Yeah, I think Clemson is still a very dangerous team. They're much better than the record suggests, as is Notre Dame. Um, they lost a tough game to Duke at the start of the season, which this podcast predicted. You and P-Wagon took it, and I only took Clemson because I didn't want three of us to take Duke, but I was leaning Duke as well. So Duke wins that game. Doesn't really surprise us. Duke's a good team. They lose then to Florida State in overtime, uh, or near, yeah, I think it was overtime. Yep, That was 30. a tough game. You know, like they could have won that. They had an opportunity. They Clemsoned it, right? They had an opportunity to knock off Florida State there. Then they lose a, another one to Miami in overtime. You know, overtime's overtime. Miami's a decent team this year. Um, not elite, but, you know, decent. And then they lose to NC State. Now, to be fair, um, from what I've seen, Clemson really shouldn't have lost that game. Like they shot themselves in a the foot a lot, uh, a lot of turnovers. I think they're lead the country in fumbles. So the talents there, don't be fooled by a four and four team. And at the same time, though, Vegas having this as a Notre Dame, like two and a half point favorite is kind of nuts, just given how bad Clemson has been relative to their expectations. Um, plus, this is not a night game. And I'm glad it's not a night game because Death Valley at night's a tough environment. It reminds me of Louisville at night. That's a game you can lose. Death Valley at noon coming off a loss in a four and four team that is pretty sure Notre Dame's about to spank them, that environment's not going to be that tough. It'll be still good because it's Notre Dame coming to town, but I'm not that worried about it. They have an elite defense still. Uh, great defensive line. I think Murphy is still there, and that guy is just impressive to watch play. Um, but it's the offense that's a problem. Uh, Kate Kublnik hasn't been the answer. I don't think the run game's been going the way it has. I think the receivers have been have fallen off and not have been like Clemson-like in previous years. And like you said, Dabo hasn't embraced the portal. Dabo, don't talk to me like I'm 12 Sweeney, uh, is also in a pissy mood lately. I don't know if you guys have seen, <laughs> but he was called out by a young Clemson fan 
for making a bazillion dollars and doing a shitty job, and he got really offended by it. Um, I think Dabo should, uh, I don't know, maybe look at his own track record of talking about coach pay and athlete pay and, you know, maybe shut the fuck up. But, you know, that's... <laughs> I, you know, it, it's hard because he respects the hell out of Notre Dame and I should like him for that, but he's just, he's a child and he acts like it. And, you know, he, he's won national championships and he'll thank, uh, not his teammates first, uh, he, or his, his players first or his coaching staff first, right? Like he seems to be a guy that's just not great to work for. <laughs> just, that's my impression I get from him. Um, so I don't really care for him. I know a lot of you guys feel the same way. Um, so I hope we kick the shit out of them. And I think we will. I think this is an opportunity for Notre Dame to really put a, a, co- a nail in that coffin of Clemson's era. I think Clemson's still a great program. They're still a brand, but the Clemson we know, I think is over and they're not a blue blood status that can kind of still recruit well, despite being bad, like a Notre Dame or a Michigan could, um, Clemson's going to have to really, really depend on that talent coming out of the Carolinas, which to be fair, there's a lot of. But, man, there's a lot of schools picking out kids from that area now, including Notre Dame, who's absolutely dominating the Carolinas in recruiting. So it's a tough look. And I think Notre Dame's a much more complete team. Dabo Sweeney said that, the most complete team we've uh, they've played. Uh, the offense this year has been frustrating under Parker, but we haven't struggled to move the ball. We have struggled to get first downs on short distance and punch the ball in. That's something I feel like can always be can always come, that can always click. Um, it might be a matter of sequencing and, you know, not stupid penalties. Um, so I think the offense is going to have a good day. I think they'll put up points. And I think the defense is just going to do what the defense does these days, which is just suffocate the shit out of their opponent. So that's where I'm feeling with it. I think Notre Dame's going to win. Uh, but I respect Clemson still. So, you know, no disrespect there. As much as I don't like Sweeney, I think their fans have been pretty good for the most part. And I like that they beat Alabama twice. So that's my rundown on Clemson, Steve. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and no, I... I- pretty much uh, agree with almost all the sentiment Dabo. Uh, it's like if he were just slightly more likable, it'd make the program more likable. He's, he's a great coach. He's just does th- acts in a bizarre way. Um, and, and his, his inability to in- embrace the portal is strange. And, and that's, you know, after this conversation, let's let's move on to uh, the quarterback situation for 2024, because I think, you know, that's now opened up uh, quite the conversation of do you go with someone in the room or, or get a transfer? Um, but yeah, I, in, in terms of this Clemson game, I'm still scared of the Clemson defense. I'm, I'm scared of Parker, uh, you know, and the play calling and, and again, in, in crucial and, and short yardage situations, it seems like we've had that struggle and not been as good as uh, we certainly would have hoped. Uh, but exactly correct. I mean, Audrey Gastame, we know, is an absolute animal. He's closing in on a thousand yards for the year. Sam Hartman is lethally accurate. We've seen an improvement with, um, you know, with with play action, uh, play calling uh, just recently, and and that's like his his numbers and statistics. I don't have the, the exact ones in front of me, but we're far and away significantly better. Uh, you know, when when utilizing play action, especially from under center, just because we we and that that was one of my biggest critiques um, of Parker is that we you know anytime we were under center. Everyone knew it was a run, and it just became so predictable. Um, but you know, you think about—I uh, I forget who who caught the. Cr- oh, it was Rico Flores when he had that 60-yard catch and run. That was uh, play-action boot with uh, with Hartman. So if we can continue to utilize that, get our guys open downfield. Again, we have really talented receivers. They're just still 
quite young in an experience. Um, you know, Clemson does have a decent secondary. I know they have a couple of names that are are looking towards uh, at least all conference status, if not, you know, potentially in the market for for all Americans. So, you know, Hartman has to be on his game. I think we can definitely set him up for success with great play action. Um, I but I, I also expect Clemson to stack the box because they don't really want to be embarrassed by the run game like they were last year. So I feel like they're going to force Hartman to make plays, and they are going to come with pressure and. And, uh, you know, Hartman against pressure, um, I think he's really good. I just think in terms of, you know, play calling and, and not not changing the play or not reading the defense at the line of scrimmage has, has kind of been the downfall. And again, I, I think that's a little bit more on the coaching staff, which I've certainly been critical of. So those those are the, the pain points that I see as a potential, but also opportunities that I see as a potential uh, game breaker, um, you know, situations for coming into the weekend. I, I do expect Notre Dame to win. I'm certainly hopeful that they do. And I, I think that they, they will come away with the victory, but I I'm still, you know, again, like you said, Clemson is better than a four and four program. Um, you know, th- this is a team that could very well be seven and one with, you know, with their, their only loss to, uh, you know, to really Duke is the only one, the one that they got their shit kicked out of, uh, or at the very least they should be six and two. Um, I just think that they're, They've had they've had the skids lately, but you know that also in a way kind of scares me. It's like you know what what's going to get them more fired up than coming back and getting a revenge win on Notre Dame because uh, we've beat them the last two times we've played them, right? So um, this could be a game where they really rally and get themselves a shot in the arm, turn the program around, so to speak. So I would expect that. Uh, yet we have the chance to step on their throat as a program and, and effectively put them out of existence, but they're not going down without a fight. So I really hope that Marcus Freeman and company are prepared for this weekend because, you know, this is, they, they are tigers and, um, you know, we, we can poach them or they can, they can take us down. So, uh, you, you gotta give it, you, you can't take anything for granted as, as hopefully the, uh, you know, the message going around the locker room this week. Yeah, well said. Do do you want to get into score predictions now or after the quarterback talk? I'll let you know, let's do it now and then let's close out on on quarterback talk. I I think that'll be a good way to do it. So I'll um I already know the the score in, in my mind. I I wrote this down ahead of time. So I'll but I'll I'll defer to you first. Give uh give your prediction. So the offense is going to be frustrating, guys. On Saturday, please don't overreact. Uh, but this team is going to win twenty-seven to ten. Uh, Holy I got this. I got twenty-seven ten. No way. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Dude, we I originally had twenty to ten, but then I was like, you know what? I, I feel like our rushing offense is just a, a bit too good for them, but they're still gonna stack the box and maybe we pull away late with the touchdown. So yeah, twenty-seven ten. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, I think that's how the game's gonna go. I think Notre Dame's gonna stay ahead, but it'll be close for three quarters. Like it'll be uh it'll be, you know let's say 10-3 after the first quarter, uh, 17-10 after half, uh, 20-10 after the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter they'll run away with it. Like That's how I see this game playing out is like a little not comfortable enough, like a little uneasy of a game where you could lose it, but one where just the better team prevails, uh, and I think I think that's going to happen. So uh, that's hilarious. I love that we, we picked the exact same score. Yep. It's become par for the course at this point. Um, and, and we see the game kind of playing out in the same exact way. So, again, um, you know, fans, 
I, I'm already frustrated by the play calling and it hasn't even happened yet, but also uh, extend a little bit of grace because this tiger defense is still the real deal. There's, there's some dudes on that defense. Um, all right. Yeah. And, and then I, I did want to close out, like I mentioned, just a conversation about the quarterback room, what's going on for the future at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, right now we, we did have Steve Angeli, uh, Angeli, however it's pronounced, still don't know, still never going to learn. Um, he went seven of eight last week, a lot of play action, a lot of short passes did stretch the field. And then he had the play action boot and, and through the, uh, the touchdown pass. So he looks sharp. Um, you know, me and, and Mr. Wagon have been beating the drum that Steve Angeli is, is definitely going to be worthwhile. You know, don't, don't just discount him because he's a quarterback recruit from New Jersey. Like there's certainly some talent there. Uh, and then also there's Kenny Minchie. Um, I disagreed with him coming into the game just to kneel it down. But again, it is a shot at Pat Narduzzi, which is a low key troll, which I loved. Um, and, and then, you know, you, we do have the, uh, the five star or I guess high four star at this point because he did Notre Dame commit. So naturally his score is going to drop because the rankings are rigged. Uh, CJ Carr, uh, is going to be coming in as a true freshman next year. So, uh, there's going to be plenty of talent in the room. There's just going to be very little experience. So with that has brought in the discussion of, okay, you know, Notre Dame's defense, they are absolutely incredible and they only project to get even better next year, which is insane. Um, so, you know, you don't want to waste that, you know, you, the, the championship window has always been 2024 is what we said. It came a, a year early with the advent of Sam Hartman. Uh, it obviously just hasn't worked out for us, but the 2024 to 2026 window is the championship window for Notre Dame. So you don't want to waste that with subpar quarterback play. Dylan, what are your thoughts on whether or not we should go to the transfer portal, get a one and done just like we did with Jack Cohn and just like we did with Sam Hartman, get a senior level guy that's going to look to make a name for himself and bring in experience and top end polished talent? Or do you want to go with the guy in the room, develop them and develop the future? I'll turn to you to start. That's a great question. Um, I want to start with Steve Angeli because um, this podcast, particularly you and P-Wagon, due to Italian bias, have been very, very pro-Steve Angeli. I've, I'm always supporting the athletes. I just haven't been as high on them as you guys have. And I will even say, we have seen nothing from him to suggest that he isn't capable of being a great quarterback. The only reason people don't like him because or don't want him or don't want him in the game or don't think he's good enough is because he was a middling three-star recruit who's kind of an unathletic white guy from New Jersey. Fair. Like, fair. I, I understand that. But that's really the only knock on him. Think about all the times we've seen him as a fan. Blue and gold game is a true freshman. He wins it. Makes one play that matters, and it was awesome. Um, anytime he's come in, this season, he's looked great. He was fantastic against Pitt. I mean, granted, everybody was because Pitt's dog shit, but like he looked good. He made a great throw on the run uh, for that touchdown there to Rico. I think it was Rico Flores, right? That that scored the touchdown. I maybe uh, it was a on. It was a tight end, actually, freshman tight end Cooper Flanagan. Right? Oh yeah, that's right, Cooper Flanagan. Cooper Flanagan. What a what a name meant to play at Notre Dame. Uh, love the way he looked too, by the way. So yeah, Angeli, I think has all the tools. Um, Minchie, I think has all the tools. That's the guy I've been high on. I think Minchie, we haven't seen him this year, but coming out of high school, I thought he was the most underrated quarterback recruit before he committed to Notre Dame. Uh, and then you're going to have CJ Carr on campus, who is for all intents and purposes, a five-star. 
get it going to the portal would be tough with that because you're holding back Minchie a year. Before we even get to Angel, you're holding back Minchie a year. You're holding back Car a year, but that's kind of expected. But because of this logjam, it could be two years, which then extends to Deuce Knight. Um, but at the same time, quarterbacks come and go. Injuries happen. Who knows what's going to go on? If I think you have to look how it goes in spring. But then again, quarterback transfers are probably going to go before spring. So I think the this, this staff is in a tough situation. I don't really have an answer for it. I think it depends on the quarterback, obviously. I'm not taking a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback. No way. I need to know who's coming in is on the caliber of Sam Hartman. If a Sam Hartman caliber quarterback is out there, I think you have to do it. I think because this this is a championship team. It's a championship team. You, you got to take your chances while you can. And I'm saying this as someone who is really impressed with Angeli, who believes he could be the starter next year. I'm saying this as someone who is a minchy guy, who thinks he could probably be the starter next year, and is saying someone who's a car guy, who thinks car can come in and start. If you have an opportunity to get an elite quarterback that can put you in the Heisman conversation and put you in the national championship conversation, I think you got to do it. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly get that. And I've been eyeing this kid out of Texas State, their quarterback. Um, Texas State, as as we've learned through our uh, our good friend Buck Metrics, has been a total outlier of an offense, wicked improved. And their quarterback is TJ Finley. He's six foot five. Um, and he's able to to you know to really get the ball downfield. Um the only thing that he he was an LSU commit that then uh, transferred over to, to Texas State. So I don't know if he would have the academics to get into Notre Dame. And again, that's also a hurdle that you have to think about is even if there are any sort of guys that are out there that are extremely talented, will they have the academics to get in, into Notre Dame and, and stay here? So that's already one thing that's working against us. And I think that most of the talent that would be worthy of anything is is ultimately graduating this year. So. Um, are there any hot underclassmen quarterbacks that would really catch our eye that have, you know, at, at least a minimum of one more year of eligibility left? I'm not certain that that's going to be available in the portal. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just not really seeing it. Like Tyler Buckner, if he wants to come back, let's let's go around too. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the name yeah, that's I, out there, by the way, is Cam Rising from Utah. That's Cam Rising from Utah. Yep. Um, is, is certainly an, a very interesting name. And again, uh, you know, Freeman was intent on, on, or at least, uh, he was courting Andy Ludwig as an offensive coordinator. We all know how that kind of played out. And, and maybe we run that back after a year of being like, Hey, you know, we, we've seen how the experiment has gone and, and maybe, you know, just let your coach pick his guy instead of being forced to internally promote for the third straight year. Um, so I, I think that they need to first and foremost get, you know, let let Marcus pick that. Um, but then if if uh, if, you know, Cam Rising coming over with Andy Ludwig, uh, Andy knows how to run a, a a very run heavy offense, but also expound upon the talents of his quarterback. That would be very interesting. Um, but I'm actually on the on the other side of the camp here which is I, I actually think that we do have enough talent in the room already. And even if, you know, I, I understand kind of taking your shot with the window, but I, I also am under the impression here that 
you know, this defense, first off, right now, currently, we have the best pass defense in the entire country. And it's only going to get better next year because we have to have Benjamin Morrison back for his last year of eligibility. Uh, and, and you know, the staff underneath him, you know, the, the depth chart under, under, you know, at the cornerback and, and safety position is just getting better and better year by year, which is insane. Um, you know, the linebackers are going to get better and the defensive line is going to get better. We're just like getting better across the road on, on uh, Dude, uh, you know, Christian on, Gray, Jaden Mickey. Like Christian Gray, I I tweeted it out. He has the the arms, uh, arm, you know, length of of an uh, a wandering albatross, which if if you Google it, has the uh, the largest wingspan of any bird in the world. So, like that was a freak athletic play. Uh, and there, so I, the, when Cam Hart's gone, they're still here. We haven't gotten to see them that much. And when yeah. Benjamin Morrison goes, they're still here, and we're recruiting well. Sorry, just to piggy off your information, no, this secondary is loaded for the future, including next year. Uh, yep, and and you know Notre Dame has their prototype at cornerback. It's six foot plus, one seventy five plus is typically what they're going for because they know that they have to match up well on the outside with big time receivers, which is kind of how the game has evolved. And Man, have they done an incredible job. Uh, extend Mike Mickens for life, please. I'm begging you. Make him co-defensive coordinator if uh, if Al Golden sticks around. Um, whatever they need to do to keep both of those guys. But neither here nor there. I mean, basically, the point is, is that there's so much talent on the defensive side of the football, which, you know, as we've seen with Georgia, can make a hell of a difference because they had a, you know, not a world beater at, at quarterback, um, and but they were able to score a lot of points because they had an offensive, uh, an awesome offensive line, really good skill position players, and a dominant defense. And I think that Notre Dame, crazy enough, next year is going to fit that Georgia mold, if that makes sense. So, and I'd rather get the young guys in, whether it's Angeli or or, 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 or or Minchie next year. I think both are going to be good enough and talented enough where they can kind of step in here and and make a play and and actually start getting our ourselves into playoff contention and ultimately national championship contention. So I I'm I'm okay with sticking with who we have already on campus. If there ends up being a transfer, then I'm I'd, I'd certainly be open to it as well uh, for all the same reasons you said, but my preference is an internal promotion at the quarterback position. Yeah, well said. I'm glad we could actually kind of disagree on this point so our audience can kind of hear two sides of it. And I, I like I'm not sold on either position. I think it's a great debate and it's going to be a fun one for the offseason. Uh, but it's one that hopefully doesn't distract the team or the fan base until the offseason. Like, obviously, you know, we're, we're talking about this now, but <laughs> it's uh, it's something to think about. And uh, I'm curious what the audience thinks. So, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, send us a send us a tweet. Where are you on this position? Notre Dame, should they go to the portal? Uh, should they promote within? I think they I'd be ha I think I'm OK with both. I think I'm comfortable with both. I think it just really depends on maybe which quarterbacks you're looking at in the portal. Um, and what happens with the offensive coordinator? Because I have no idea. Uh, I still like Jared Parker. We'd very much like him to be a tight ends coach still. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But Steve, I think I think that wraps up a really sweet and short podcast here. Keep it under an hour. Um, hit all the main topics. I wanted to end on one thing, if that's okay with you. Yeah, right rep. What do you think the all-time series record is between Notre Dame and Clemson? Hmm. I'm going to say Notre Dame nine, Clemson four. Um, that's incorrect. <laughs> uh, with good shot though. Like I, I respect that. 
Uh, Clemson is one of the handful of programs on the face of the earth that has a winning record against Notre Dame. Not many do. That is an honor uh, that not many get to claim. Clemson has four wins to Notre Dame's three. Notre Dame can even the series on Saturday with a victory. And this fan base, myself in particular, we care a lot about the history, the legacy of Notre Dame football. And uh, there's history on the line today. Uh, the, the least amount of teams to have a winning record over you, the less there is to claim that they're greater than you. Uh, that's why Notre Dame's better than Alabama. Uh, so Clemson, I think that record's coming to an end on Saturday. I think the Irish are going to level that up. And the Irish are also only one win away from tying the Florida State series, um, which takes place, I think, in two seasons or next year. We play, we get the Seminoles back on the schedule. So uh, just something to throw out there, a little history tidbit to end the, to end the show. Um, any thoughts on that? Agreed with everything you said. Anytime we can get an, uh, a one-upsman on on anybody and everybody, I'd, I'd love it. So, um, yeah, let's let's even this up with the Tigers, and then eventually we'll get them back on the schedule in a couple of years and then really bury them. But, um, yep, screw the Tigers, screw the Knolls, and especially screw Michigan. Um, go Irish and beat the Tigers. <laughs> Well said. Shout out Buck for the USC Notre Dame preview. He His prediction was basically spot on with Notre Dame winning by a lot. Um, and yeah, also screw the Trojans, screw the Wolverines, screw the Panthers, uh, screw Clemson, screw everybody who isn't Notre Dame. That's the way I see it. Uh, and I know that's how a lot of you see it as well at home. So thank you for listening to us. Uh, and we'll, we'll hear from you soon. Hopefully uh, you hear from us soon. Go Irish. <laughs>